to brothers and sisters, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to welcome you today to our Easter service with the traditional Easter greeting. Uh, it's printed in your bulletin. Brothers and sisters, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Will you join me in our intro today? Uh, Christ the Lord is risen. Father, who through your Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy our Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Until Christ comes again in glory with your kingdom, we seek every time we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our gospel scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28, a very familiar story. And so if you're following along in your Bibles, I invite you to join me there, Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew tells us early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. And you will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. And he greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We come to our prayer time this morning. I'm sure you've got needs on your heart. I know I have needs on my heart. And so we want to go to the God that hears and answers. So will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this Easter day because the resurrection of your son scattered the power of sin and of death. Uh, It gives us strength to resist any doubt or fear about approaching you in prayer. So we thank you, Lord, that we can come before you today, especially praying for uh, those that have been mentioned and those that have been added to our prayer list. But Father, I pray also now too for any today that are suffering here in silence, those that are hiding secret wounds known only to you, Heal them, Lord, in this very moment and comfort them by your grace. We pray, Lord, too, that you would continue to give your people a holy boldness and a clear witness in the face of this dangerous time. We pray, Father, the same for our military members and our first responders and all missionaries serving in harm's way, especially those whom we love and support from this fellowship. 
And Father, we ask that you would be pleased to receive all of our Easter worship uh, as we come before you with these things, Lord, in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I, uh, I don't know about you, but I think even the most stalwart among us uh, has a, a sense of, of stress and anxiety as we see the latest reports on the coronavirus, as we see shops and restaurants continue to be closed, as trips up north have had to be canceled, and we see tremendous economic uncertainty and political unrest around the world. You know, until you can feel the tension begin to build and almost become palpable around us. And so what, what I want to do is take a few minutes today and show you that tension is not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. You, you need tension in a storyline to help hold a, a movie plot together. You need tension in the colors in a piece of art to lead your eye around the whole canvas or... For those of you in the, the building trades, you know, tension can be a good thing too because tension members are great for bracing walls or, or building bridges. But the kind of tension that I want you to see today uh, is what we call the already but not yet of our faith. And what that really is is the tension between the present realities that we see in this world and the greater truths that we claim in the resurrection. And it's really about the fact that we are already, of course, a part of Christ's kingdom right now, today, but there's also the not yet of, of waiting for his triumphal return. And you're actually going to see that today in our psalm text, uh, Psalm 89 in our series, and how the psalmist uh, holds in tension the everlasting promise of the Lord's love and faithfulness against the painful present experience of sin and sickness and shame around him that's too obvious to be ignored but how holding it all together is this joyful sound of today's psalmist prophesying the earth-shaking message of easter sunday coming along in your bibles at home i hope you'll join me in psalm 89 i'm going to be reading it today from the new living translation it's superscribed a psalm of Ethan the Ezraite. And he writes, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I've sworn this oath to him that I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. Selah. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He's far more awesome than all who surround his throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who... Hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. You are their glorious strength. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord, and He, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. Long ago you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. 
His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him, and by my authority he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers. And he will call out to me, you are my father and my God and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn son, the mightiest king on earth. I will love him and be kind to him forever. My covenant with him will never end. I'll preserve an heir for him. His throne will be as endless as the days of heaven. But if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beating. But I'll never stop loving him. They'll fail to keep my promise to him. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word that I've said. I've sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His dynasty will go on forever. His kingdom will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. Selah. But now you've rejected him and cast him off. You're angry with your anointed king. You've thrown his crown in the dust. You've broken down the walls protecting him and ruined every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him. He's become a joke to his neighbors. You strengthened his enemies and made them all rejoice. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. You've made him old before his time and publicly disgraced him. No, Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will... Your anger burn like fire. Remember how short my life is. How empty and futile this human experience. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Stop and think about that. Lord, where's your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. I carry in my heart the insults of so many people. Your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock your anointed king wherever he goes. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Father God, we come before you now as we have read today's psalm and we prepare to go into the exposition of the message. And Lord, we ask that you would truly lend your Holy Spirit so that the words that I speak would go forth from you, that it would not be my words, but your words, because you promised, Father, when you speak, that your sheep hear your voice. And so I ask that you would send out your spirit now to call those, Lord, that you're drawing to yourself, and do all of these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. You know, as we've just retold Jesus' fear and anguish in the garden on Thursday night, and then commemorated on Good Friday our Lord's humiliation and rejection, not not only by uh, His own people, but by God the Father at the cross. Uh, And then read this morning of the dramatic account of Resurrection Sunday just a few minutes ago. I'm sure you can imagine with all of that, that fear and tension those women on the way to Christ's tomb must have felt because they were firsthand onlookers to this whole thing. Uh, It was their present reality as they face the pain and pressure of the death of our Lord, a death that 
brought so much pain and pressure not just to them but to the world itself that we're told even the ground couldn't stay still but experienced two of the most dramatic and life-changing tremors ever to occur on planet Earth. Uh, both of them are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and both happened just three days apart. The first occurred when Jesus breathed his last on the cross back on Good Friday. We have to back up a little bit to Matthew 27 to catch that one, but he tells us then, Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. Rocks split apart and tombs were opened. And then, of course, there's, there's the second we just read a few minutes ago. Uh, as Jesus' faithful female followers made their way out at first light. And, and you remember, we've, we've talked about this before a couple of times, uh, about those faithful women, women that were the first at the cradle and the last to leave the cross. You know, and in our reading today, Matthew shows us that they were the first at the resurrection too. And among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, better known in the gospel there as the other Mary. And they had both felt the earthquake at Jesus' death, and now they, they felt another earthquake as they approached his tomb. As Almighty God announces the great and awesome thing that his son Jesus has done by shaking the very earth beneath their feet. Uh, shaking it first in his great wrath when uh, in the midst of that terrible tension at the cross and then now the great joy of Jesus' return from the grave, tying the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of his son together in what one author has described as a seismic knot which everyone in the land should have recognized. Uh, recognized because he had promised to do that very thing in the Old Testament in, in hundreds of places really, but particularly for our purposes today in Psalm 89, verse 19, when we read, Long ago you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I've raised up a warrior. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I'll beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him. And by my authority, he will grow in power and I'll extend his rule and dominion. Right? That's the whole picture of the life and death of Jesus, right? And this whole prophecy is literally being fulfilled as these women are waking up that first Easter morning. But you know, the sad part is in, in the midst of this earth shaking all around them, all they seem to be thinking about is, is going out to see a tomb. You know, kind of like you and I would go to visit a cemetery or to decorate a grave. Uh, you don't really see a whole lot of that done anymore, at least I, I haven't around here. But when I was younger, like around J.J. and Kitty's age, my family visited and tended the graves of our ancestors on a pretty regular schedule. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's good to have a place to focus our, our grief and to physically connect with the memories we have of the ones that we love that have passed on. Because, you know, as we, we consider the idea of earthquakes, that's really one of the tensions that make earthquakes so hard to recover from, at least emotionally, and that's often the bodies of those that are lost can't always be found. And so for those families, there's, there's no tangible way to connect their grief uh, to the one whose loss is being grieved. And you know, maybe it's thoughts like that that were on the women's minds as they approached the garden tomb 
that morning. Maybe they were, were thinking, well, what if it's caved in? What if we can't even find the grave anymore where the Lord we've loved so much is buried? And, oh, and, and what about that ridiculous stone that the chief priest had ordered rolled in front of the entrance? We'll never be able to move it now. It's all just too much. Until their heads must have pounded with the intensity of an avalanche, but brothers and sisters, none of that was a problem for God, was it? None of that was a problem for God who dispatches one of his angels to hurry down and roll the stone away from the entrance so that when the women got there, they could not only see the exact spot where they had laid Jesus to rest, but see very clearly that he wasn't there anymore. And that the angel just sat on top of the stone, just casually waiting for those women to arrive. But I want you to be sure that we understand here the angel did not roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb to let Jesus out. Jesus no more needed that stone to be rolled away to get out of the tomb than God needed the curtain of the temple to be torn in two to get out of the Holy of Holies. Because Jesus left the tomb in the same way that he would later that day enter the locked room where the disciples were hiding out in fear of the authorities. Because now his resurrected and glorified body was no longer bound to the same constraints of time and space as ours is. Uh, the walls of that room where the disciples were or the walls of the tomb that he left could no more contain Jesus than a, a clear pane of glass can stop the rays of the sun from shining through. But you know, knowing that is much more important than just getting the facts of the resurrection story straight. Because what it means is that there's nothing that Jesus cannot pass through in order to get to you. There's nothing Jesus can't pass through in order to get to you. Your stubbornness, no problem. Maybe a deep-seated resentment, you can't stop him from getting at you. Have you... Have you got a preoccupation with earthly things so that you try to hold God at arm's length? Well, guess what? He can still reach you. Has your tension built up and taking you off the top of the Richter scale? That's okay because not even a rock-hard heart that's as thick as Joseph of Arimathea's tomb can keep the Lord from reaching out to you with His gracious offer of salvation. Just like we read in, in Psalm 89 this morning, Verse 30, but if his descendants, and, and, and that's us, God's, God's children, Christ's people, forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they don't obey my decrees and fail to keep my commandments, I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beating, but I will never stop loving him. I'll never stop loving him, nor fail to keep my promise to him. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back. A single word that I've said. See, do you see how, how, how clear it is that our redemption that Jesus bought for us was, was God's idea, and it's His pursuit of us. It's, it's His plan to accomplish, not ours. Uh, and all you have to do is to trust Him by faith. And, and even at that, a faith that He gives you so you can experience the reality of the empty tomb and find in Jesus the forgiveness for all of your sins and the unshakable foundation of His peace and righteousness for you. And His salvation for you. And His heavenly home for you. And that you and I, 
won't need to be afraid no matter what happens around us because of those things. Did you know even though God has allowed the punishment and the national humbling of this coronavirus plague, even though in many ways He has, in the words of our psalm today, ended our splendor and made us old before our time and publicly disgraced us, it can be used for our good and for God's glory ultimately. You know, and maybe that's exactly how the women felt as they headed out to the tomb. You know, they felt ashamed. They felt cast down. They thought Jesus was the one they'd been waiting for. They thought he'd been the Messiah, but now he's dead and their, their movement's disgraced. And maybe they felt like they had just wasted the last three years of their lives following him around. But then suddenly, whatever the earthquake on Good Friday and the earthquake on Easter morning might have registered on the Richter scale, I don't think it could begin to measure the quake that hit them when Jesus shows up. He shows up. We, we read it earlier as they went, Jesus met them and greeted him. But see, remember, they had seen him crucified. They saw the place where he was buried, and, and now he's standing right in front of them. Forget about any earthquake. They're experiencing a heartquake. Matthew tells us and they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Not they might see me there, but they will see me there. And brothers and sisters, the aftershocks of that encounter continue to be felt throughout the whole world, radiating out from the epicenter of a borrowed, empty tomb. And they spread to those women and then on to the disciples, and then throughout Jerusalem, and on to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and all the way here to this tiny little church on a windy hill, hundreds of miles and thousands of years away. So that today, if you are in Christ, we can say in the words of our psalm today, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exalt in your righteousness. You're their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord, and He's the Holy One of Israel. And He's given us our King. He's given us our King. And that joyful sound and those tremors of Easter Sunday are going to continue to shake the world until the last trumpet of His return sounds and creation is renewed. And you know, right now, Today, although the, the ground underneath us may not be physically moving, the Lord is certainly doing some shaking up, isn't He? Civilized society, political alliances, financial systems, they're all being allowed to, to wobble, and all because for too long people have built their lives on the weak cornerstones of human accomplishment and, and worldly wisdom. But the earthquake of Easter reminds us that there's only one secure foundation, and that is in Jesus Christ. And you know, I believe right now, too, I believe he's, he's shaking the, the church, the, the true church, out of its apathy and its self-focus, reminding us not to trust in the temporary structures of the world, but rather we're to rest upon the firm foundation of God's steadfast love and mercy and to share that knowledge with the outside world. Because you and I, as the Lord's ambassadors on earth, we're the only ones standing on firm enough ground to do that. Not because we're 
smarter than anyone else, not because we're more religious, not because we have a better theological education, and definitely not because God needs us to spread the gospel, but because He graciously commands that we be the means and the instruments of His saving grace. And then we get the holy privilege to offer to any who will listen a hope and a future that no job, no government, no stimulus check, and not even any religious system can give, and that is the good news of Easter. You see, that's the, the truth of our testimony, and, and our victory over death is in a relationship with a crucified and risen and soon returning Savior. So to all of those today who, whose world is shaking, to any of you who are afraid of the mountains of difficulties around you or the, the terrors and the tensions of this lockdown, and especially especially to any hearing this message whose hearts today are still as hard and immovable as the stone that the angel rolled away, hear the good news, the great news of Easter. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because today the tomb is empty and Christ is risen. Amen? Father God, we thank you so much that we have the eternal witness of the empty cross, the empty burial shroud, the empty tomb. And so we ask you, Lord, to implant those things deep in our hearts and be with us as we go out this week that we might share that love and that hope with everyone we encounter. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I invite you to join me in our closing hymn, He Lives.
conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, descended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And receive God's blessing this Easter morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance and give you peace. Brothers and sisters, the service has ended. Go to love and serve the Lord this week. Amen. <laughs>